the book of James. Uh, this is only the second week, and we'll be in this till September. Man, I, I love this book, this uh, sections uh, that we're studying together in God's time. Also, uh, we talked a lot last weekend about trials and how they tether us to the Father, and that we should consider them as a deposit of faith that God's making in our own hearts, that we are allowed, He permits, He sends trials that we might be tested that our character might be proven genuine, sincere, and faithful unto Christ. Um, this morning, there in chapter 1 of James, as I told you to turn to James, if you look there in the fifth verse, and we'll go about verse 5 through 18 is the section that we'll cover today in Scripture together. Um, I, got a, I got a question real quick. How many of you need wisdom? Can you answer that question for me? How many of you need wisdom? Signify that by raising your hand if you need wisdom. Yeah, I mean, like all of us. I mean, who doesn't need wisdom? And I love that verse. I memorized it many decades ago. If anyone, any man lacks wisdom, he should do what? He should reckon, he should think, he should wish. That's not what it says. Should he should ask God. And God gives generously without finding fault to those that ask. So this morning, that's a pretty simple principle, but it's so hard to do so many times because I think God gives wisdom in two ways. God gives wisdom, number one, in a generous manner that God gives in a lavish way, and he keeps on giving and giving and giving. And are you grateful this morning that God gives wisdom when you ask him? Boy, I am. I know that I need it, and you do too. But he also gives in a gracious manner. He gives it as a gift. You know, the, the very last verse of this section, I'll say, every good and perfect gift is from above. And these good gifts come from the Father, and I make that a part of my regular discussions with people, my prayers, I'm saying, God, I always want to remember where my blessings come from. And my blessings come from the Father of lights, from the Father above, just like yours do. And in this passage, in the Greek there, in that imperative, it goes continuous, continually going before him, asking over and over, you will not wear him out. But he calls us to do that. And this morning, I don't know what it's been here in the last several weeks. I've been waking up really, really early, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and just like all the time, like, huh? And I'll go ahead and make a little confession. I, I did watch some Wimbledon the other day and because um, and, I love tennis. But the, the bottom line is a lot, so many times like this morning, I was up so early and just praying and asking God for you. I was petitioning him for our church. I was asking him for wisdom. The very thing that I'm talking to us about today, I find myself a lot at that point, God, I need wisdom. And if you're not, if that's not a regular part of your prayer life, make that, that you continue to ask him. Because the scripture says he gives liberally. I love that. He's a good father. And he lavishes his love and his provision for us. There's some questions we ought to ask. Just write them down. They're not, they're not going to come up on the screens. They're just good questions. What do we need what should we do, and what will we find? And if we just begin to ask those questions, then I think God will begin to stimulate our thinking and show us that I have a need for you to need biblical wisdom. I didn't say knowledge, and knowledge is good, and we get knowledge at the school, at the high school. We get knowledge at the university. We get knowledge in the workplace, and knowledge is needed, and knowledge is about education. But wisdom is supreme, and, and wisdom is so much higher. Wisdom is from God, and the church said... Because I know some people that have multiple degrees. I mean, they've got more initials after their name, and they've got double and triple doctorates, and no, no, no. And they've got all these pursuits of higher education, and I affirm them and celebrate them, and that's awesome. 
But sometimes they are knowledge-based, but they're not very wise. Do you know what I'm saying? Wisdom comes from, from God. Wisdom comes from above. And I think Scripture makes a, a case here to, as you and I grow, as you and I go through trials, let's not waste the trial. Let's mature through the process called the trial. Back to last week, he, he talks about this, about trials and wisdom, and he talks about temptation that we'll get into in a few moments. But I just want us to think about it for a moment today, like, God, I need wisdom about how to be a parent. Oh, I, I prayed that prayer. I pray that now as an adult. Like, how can I be a better adult parent? Is there really my good friends? And uh, Jim Burns, that was here in our winter conference when we did the parenting conference, he wrote a great book about uh, adult children and about, uh, or about us parenting adult children. It's very good. And you're saying, oh, we, we don't have adult children, or if we do, we'll get that one. But we, give me something for, for these little ones, like these ones that are eating me out of house and home, these little ones that have an attitude. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Help me with them. And then you need wisdom in marriage, and then you need wisdom in the workplace, and then you need wisdom in relationships, and you need wisdom at work. You just wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. But I love what Scripture says, but my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, I'm strong. So God, give us wisdom today. Lord, we want to make a request. We wanna, we're grateful that this morning we came to the table because you made access available through the blood of Christ. So Lord, we come boldly to the throne of grace, placing our confidence in the one who is holy, the one who is perfect, and trusting him that we might come and make our petition, that we might make our plea to the Holy One of Heaven. Uh, I, I, I would put it this way. I wrote this in my notes. I'd write this down. This is good. Dear God, I need wisdom for blank. Write that down. Dear God, I need wisdom for blank. Maybe today in Body Life 2.0, at the end when we break up in groups, maybe y'all could even consider that question. I think it might be one that I even put on there. Dear God, I need wisdom for this. Everybody could participate in that because how many of you need wisdom for something? Yeah. So like, man, I'm, I, mean, I can't wait till we get there because I'm going to share about what I need wisdom for. But you know, I, I notice when we go out to eat sometimes, if we're not careful, we, uh, we demand, we have these high expectations, of course, like we're paying the bill, so we should, but sometimes we're rude if we're not careful. We go, hey, give me one of those. Hey, I'll take one of those. I mean, I think it, it's the body of Christ we ought to go, I would, like, I would like to ask for this. Hey, may I have one of those? I, we just express it in our manner. Um, thank you. I, I don't know if you ever do this. If you've ever worked in that field, you're grateful for Thank you for serving me today. I, I've been amazed when you treat people with respect and honor and dignity, what happens? It comes back on you most of the time, doesn't it, church? But you go in there being ugly and rude and harsh and demanding you don't know if they're not doing something to your coffee when they go in the back room or their tea. I, mean, I just want you to think about it for a minute. You know, I've had some people tell me some stories like, you don't want to know what happens when you're rude. <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to be. Okay. Hey, look right in the middle of your page, middle of your worship guide, under verse 5. I want you, I'm going to do this kind of rapid fire. fire fur. I don't know what a fur is, but a fire. Rapid fire. Can you tell I'm from Alabama? Okay, here we go. A, the A is for ask. Ask for wisdom. One uh, of the gospels says, ask, seek, knock, and he'll make the way. Look at the B. Believe that God is good all the time. Uh, that, Lord, when you ask and be sure that your faith is in God alone, don't waver as some divided person. Look, look here at the text with me. 
He will give to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, verse 6, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. One translation goes, it's tossed fro to and fro. I mean, it's just all over the place. You go down to the guff, down the beach, and you watch those waves come in, and you watch them, and you get out there in the surf with your kids, and all of a sudden you just are thrown crazy. Well, that's the way we deal with this sometimes we're unstable in what we do but god wants us to always have a great belief because his nature is good his nature is holiness his nature is to give the best gifts to his kids and look at c quickly and always center on the scripture uh, you know you're saying well man pastor you always talk about god's word you're always trying to get us to get into that book because this is the eternal breathing living active word of god do you believe that church and this is, this is truth. This is truth that will so outlast you and me. It will never return void. We always have to make an answer. We receive it in faith or we reject it. There's only two choices. Receive it. Cast it off. Reject it. And oh, I pray that we'd be a body that receive it. Lord, you're sovereign. Lord, would you come? Would you speak over me? Would you speak to my heart? Would you speak truth to me? Would you help me with this? Lord, you give liberally over the top. You remember Solomon over, I think, about 1 Kings chapter 3? Solomon is known as the wisest man, isn't he? And he had all this fortune and all this power, and he had so many things. But God asked him, and what do you want? He goes, and I want wisdom, discernment. The book of Proverbs is all about the wisdom of God. And I just pray for you, but I pray for me. God, grant me wisdom in these days. I'm navigating uncharted waters. I tell Donna sometimes, you know, I've been a pastor a long time. I never thought that I would see the landscape that I'm ministering in today. It is much more difficult than it's ever been. Of course, I got to do a lot of late 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, but now almost at 2020, what happened? I blinked and it was here. And things are changing, and things don't seem to have absolute, and people just seem to shift morality and all this. But God's word is eternal, and he has spoken clearly. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. Listen to this. I, I studied this a long time ago, and I found this quote, and I want to come back to Frank Borum. We make our decisions, and, and then our decisions make us. We make our decisions, but then our decisions make us. They frame the life that we have. I, I'm just curious. Does anybody in this room struggle with being indecisive? You can't make up your mind. Could you just raise the person's hand next to you and go, that is them. In marriage, it'll drive you nuts. In relationships, it drives you nuts. Wherever you are. Oh, I, I think I'd have a cheeseburger. No, 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 no. No, I think I'd have pizza. No, 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 no. I think I'll have chicken. i tell you what. I'll tell you what you're going to have when I bring it back. And, and it's funny in those situations. But when people are indecisive. But you know what I've learned about indecisiveness? It paralyzes you. And God says, but I want to give wisdom. You don't have to be indecisive. They would call it the the double-minded soul you're unstable in all your ways so i decided to go high tech high school today for y'all the zode in the road by dr seuss you remember that one i asked emma I said emma do you remember this she goes i do not okay well listen here it is 
Did I ever tell you about the young Zod who came to two signs at the fork in the road? One said to the place one, the other place two. So the Zod had to make up his mind what to do. Well, the Zod scratched his head and his chin and his pants, and he said to himself, I'll be taking a chance. If I go to place one, now that place may be hot. And so how do I know if I like it or not? On the other hand, though, I'll be sort of a fool if I go to place two and find it too cool. In that case, I may catch a chill and turn blue. So maybe place one in the best, not place two. But then again, what if place one is too high? I may catch a terrible earache and die. So place two may be the best. On the other hand, though, what might happen if I place two? If To me, if place two is too low, I might get some very strange pain in my toe. So place one may be the best. And he started to go. And then he stopped and said, on the other hand, though, on the other hand, on the other hand, other hand, though, and for 36 and a half hours, that poor Zod made starts and stops at the fork in the road saying, don't take a chance. No, you may not be right. Then he got an idea that was wonderfully bright. Play safe, cried the Zod. I'll play safe. I'm no dunce. I'll simply start out for both places at once. And that's how the Zod, who would not take a chance, got no place at all with a split in his pants. You're saying, wow, that was even kind of hard to read. I ain't gonna lie to you. That's some good writing, though. And that's some real wisdom from you and I about being indecisive. And next time somebody's like indecisive, say, I, I got a little tip for you. I hope you're telling about James chapter 1, verse 5. But for some of you, you'll probably use this one. Look at this quote right here that's going to come up. William James. The most miserable person in the world is the person who is habitually indecisive. Some of you are like, why are you talking about me? Why did my husband, why did my wife call you? I, I don't know if it fits. Man, just deal with it. Say, Lord, in faith, I want to ask you. I want to press on. I want to get to know your heart. Lord, I want to expect in my faith life, I want to expect that you will give wisdom because you're a good father. And the church said, because I believe. I don't want to be unstable. I don't want to waver like a double-souled man, but I want to be stable in my faith in Christ. I want to trust you. I don't want to be a doubter. I want to exercise faith. God, here's what we learned last weekend. James was known as good old camel knees, and he would go to God on his knees. And to you and I, I think the number one place, if you want wisdom, is to get on your knees constantly, daily, before a holy Father in heaven. And then get in God's Word on a daily basis that God's Word might begin to read us as we read and study His Word. Then we are on the way to having wisdom. Look at there, verse 6 and 8. Believe and do not doubt. That's the whole premise there. Believe God. Don't doubt. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. It is. But it's so easy to doubt, isn't it? And God says, but believe. Believe that all things are possible for those that believe. Trust me. Lord, but I don't have much to give you. But what I do give you, I offer to you. I offer my heart. I offer my life. I offer my gifts. And then, look, look here. Keep going with me. I want you to see this. So, verse 8. Their loyalties are between, divided between God and the world. They're unstable in everything they do. But verse 9. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers and the little flower droops and falls. And its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. Here's the whole thing here. Jesus Christ is for the poor. Jesus Christ loves the rich. He loves all of us. And God in Scripture says he has prepared a place for us in heaven we were kidding this morning. We were saying the word abode. So that's why the, the word abode or many mansions are, I prepare a room for you. How many of you this morning believe that Jesus, when he died for you, he prepared a place in glory for you? He did. 
and those that will place only their faith completely and trust in the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Christ, let me tell you, heaven, Beverly Hills is an outhouse compared to what God has got in store for those that love him. I'm just telling you, man, there's nothing better than this. We realize how unstable this world is with the storms that are going on all around us down in Louisiana, all these areas, and all the water surges and all the things that people are fighting. And, and some of them are so grateful that they're built way up high that they might weather that, but their places are being destroyed. But I got to tell you, God is stable for the ages. Don't put our faith and trust in riches. In the crash of 1929, in one day, People lost everything. They lost their fortunes in the stock market. Right now, stock market is at unprecedented highs, and it's very good right now. But let me tell you, do, the Scripture says, some trust in horses and chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord my God. Always make sure, church, that we run to Jesus, that we run to Christ. We, God, thank you for the blessings that you've given me. But I want you to know, my faith, I trust you, Father. Because every good and perfect gift is from above. When you walk out here today, you're going to go, I think he was serious about that. All right, look at, look, look at verse 12. Let's keep going. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Oh, my goodness. Here it is. Are you ready? It's a pivot time. We've gone from wisdom and unstable and the rich, and now he's going to talk about temptation. And all of us struggle with temptation. Is it a sin to be tempted? No. It's when we succumb. It's when we surrender. It's when we fall to it. That's when we get in trouble and we sin. So let's begin to go here. So verse right there in the middle of the page, I want you to uh, write this in. How can I know that I have real faith? Because God has tried me and I will endure. God has tried me and I have endured through this process, through this trial, through this trouble, tribulation. I've endured. I've persevered through the grace and the strength of Christ. But I find that there's two things that we do when we are tempted. We tend to blame others. It's their fault. I mean, when you think about there in the garden, Adam blamed who? He blamed woman. You gave me woman. You took woman from my side. And then he was so, had so much audacity here. He, he didn't just blame the woman. He blamed God for giving him the woman. I'm thinking, oh, man, this ain't going good for you, Adam. And then the other thing is, we don't just blame others. We blame God. Sometimes we go through temptations and go, oh, it must be God. Well, it's not God. God does not tempt us with evil. The Scripture is clear about that. So, you know, when we see this whole deception in the serpent with, with Eve and we see what's happening, the whole debacle there. But look at verse 13 and 14. This is critical. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, says the Word of God. And He never tempts anyone else. Temptation, here it is, verse 14, underline it in your Bible. Even memorize it. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entices us and drags us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when the sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. It's the whole process here that the problem is not the tempter without. It's the problem within. The, the traitor is us. The traitor lives within us. Those enticements that we're baited by, that, that we, uh, the snare of temptation. Matter of fact, there's going to be a, a, a picture that's going to come up here. Here it is. It's a... It's a Oh, oh, glory to God. Oh, 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 
I said, man, I love me some chocolate. Man, right now, I just, I'm ready. Let's have a quick prayer and go. Now, that right there, didn't that look good? How many of you love chocolate? The rest of you, I'll pray for you if you don't like chocolate. Let me see, did they give us another picture? And ice cream. Let me, give me the next picture. Did I get another picture? <gasps> now, look at that. Now, I'm setting you up with a hook. There it is. What does sin do? That, that bass, he thought he was smart. And fishermen, they spend all kind of money, and they're trying to get the right lures and the right bait or whatever. But eventually he gets hooked, right? Well, I went to go see my good friend Mark. Mark loves to fish. used to be a serious fisherman. I said, Mark, I, ne I need some, man. Ooh, I'm, I'm hurting myself right now just trying to get him out of the bag. Glory to, to Mark. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to just do them together because I ain't, I ain't taking time. Look at that. Those right there, aren't, aren't those pretty? And that right there, Mark promises me those will catch big fish. So I'm going to keep them. No, I'm going to give them back to you, Mark. But you see those right there? A big lure. And that thing's going across the water. And pow! Look at it. Attacks it. That's the way sin is. It's those old desires that are burning within us. And then we get baited by Satan, if you will, because he's really good at his job. And he knows how to tempt us. And he knows how to entice us. And then, like, when a fish gets caught, the fish wasn't thinking, hey, I want to end up on somebody's plate. I want to end up getting fried. That's not the way it works, but that's the way it works, isn't it, church? So the whole thing is we get hooked on sin. The, 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 the bass, and even us, we think about the satisfaction of that bait. And then we run off for it. And we, matter of fact, I want you to look down here at this next line. Just fill it in on the blank. Underlying every temptation is a promise from the devil that you will be satisfied. Satan always says, I will satisfy you. I will fulfill you. Just take a bite. Just go ahead and have this addiction. Just do this and you'll be satisfied. But the thing is, he is a liar. And the church said, every single time he deceives us, he mocks God. He lies to us. Satan has never fulfilled the satisfaction that he promised. But he's got great bait. And he comes after us, and we're enticed by our own evil desires. You know, I suppose if we're hungry enough, we might be tempted to steal. We're tempted to meet our needs in wrong ways if we don't have the Spirit of God controlling our lives. But I love what the Scripture says in verse 12. Let's back up. But blessed is he that endures, for when he is tried, he shall, she shall receive the crown of of life the crown of eternal life to those that love christ we even receive a soul winner's crown in second corinthians 5 10 first corinthians you begin to see those things but this whole satisfaction thing this so traitor within us we just can't trust our hearts all the time people go oh got, got such a good heart he's got such a good heart and i'm like and I've told you this before, but every time I stand in the funeral line, if I'm not doing a funeral and I'm in the line, just, you know, going through, and everybody's going, oh, she was just so sweet. And some people are going, man, she wasn't either, you know. The other day I was talking to somebody, I said, man, we had a funeral, and they were talking about this person. I said, I don't even know who they were talking about. That's not the person I knew. They were just mean. Can we just go ahead and call them mean? But Jeremiah says, our hearts are desperately wicked. They need redemption through Christ. They need to be restored by Christ. So here, just, these aren't in your notes, but I thought these were good comments. The traitor within all of us. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin to give in to the temptation. Don't blame God. Let the test come as they may. 
Don't blame others. You and I are responsible for when we take the bait. And the church said, yes. Don't blame the bait. It's an appetite problem. It's wrong desires that we're trying to fulfill. And they're not the Christ desires. Uh, Our failure need not be final. I love that word. When you and I fail, and we fail daily, it need not define us. We can go to Christ through repentance, through confession, and be restored. Is that good news for anybody today? I love the hope of the gospel. Man, Keith, you have blown it. You need my grace. Some mornings on my walk, I get overwhelmed by the grace of Jesus. I wish I said every day I do. I do really, but I mean, some mornings I'm just really overcome by it. Yesterday, I went old school. I was studying. Donna had gone off, and I was yesterday afternoon, I was sitting there studying for a few hours, and something made me go back and listen to some old songs of our church. 1996, 1997, 1998. And one of the songs we used to sing, and I could start crying, He is awesome in this place. And man, I played that over and over and over because God is awesome when his people gather and the church said, oh man, matter of fact, we'll bring it back one day. A matter of fact, when you, yeah, it, it's old school, but it's powerful. Here's this whole temptation thing. Let me just tell you, when you know you're tempted, and we all have different temptations. Some are tempted by this and it really doesn't bother that one, but it bothers this one. But here, if gluttony or something is really your thing, then stop going to go to the corral. It ain't going to help you. Matter of fact, I found it the other day, I'm out on my daily walk six days a week, and there's this guy I see every day out walking, he's got a dog, and his dog's starting to look like him. I promise you, I'm just telling you. He's got this big old lab, and he looks like him, and I just start laughing. He smiles at me, and I'm laughing at him. And, uh, but we're out doing a walk, and I found the other day, you know what the man does? The man is runs Golden Corral, glory to God. Okay, I've never even been to Golden Corral. I don't need to go to Golden Corral. But if you go there, praise God. But if you're struggling with gluttony, Take it off your list. Just Hey, if you're struggling with food, you got to quit circling Krispy Kreme going, oh, Jesus, help me from this temptation. Help me, Jesus. I know I ride by and Jack Taylor stood on this stage and talked about the pastor. Why I'm here. If it flashes, we're going to take off. If what flashes? When that Krispy Kreme light starts flashing, we're going to go over here and get us a dozen. Oh, the last time I had a Krispy Kreme was at a, a funeral after a funeral. And the guys, they were telling me, they said, we always got Krispy Kremes with our dad. And we da, da, da. And they said, and we had this big, big meal. It was awesome. And we, and we finished up. And then they said, okay, now my brother's going to get three dozen hot Krispy Kreme donuts. I said, huh? And this is when I was a big fella. And I went, oh, this will be good. And they came in and they said, today you get to be one of our brothers because my other brother, he's a diabetic and he'll die if he puts one. So you eat his. I ate six in Jesus' name just for him. It was awesome. I had a sugar high. Woo-hoo! No, I, 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 uh, uh, you're my witness. Do I touch your donuts? No. I just walk up and I say, oh, man, glory to God. Today, man, ooh, it looked good, looked good, looked good. Yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm having fun with y'all. Here's the thing. But your sin always looks appealing. Our, our appetites, and they bait us. So God, help us to find the greatest enemy is our flesh. My greatest enemy, your greatest enemy is your flesh. Deny your, Jesus just said it this way, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And Christ, we want to do that. Our flesh wants fulfillment right now, but Lord, I know that my flesh will never satisfy me. Only Jesus will. 
Lord, I want to take it to you in prayer. Lord, I want to be determined, Lord, that you're not mocked. I want to abstain. I want to hold back from this sin. I want you to take a reign. I want to, I want to trust you. I want to grow in my faith. Here it is. Fill it in quickly. There at the bottom. Recognize the source of your temptation. In James 1, 13 through 14, For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. It's in here. It's these evil desires that need. I am crucified with Christ. It's not I, but Christ who lives in me by faith. Christ Jesus reigns supreme. Christ Jesus rule in my heart. Holy Spirit, give me power. Secondly, realize the seriousness of my sin. Verse 15. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, then it gives birth to death. Nothing beautiful about death. Death's part of the process, and we die and and sin, when it grows up, it does that. It scars us, and yet it, the, we, when Satan, look at it this way. When Satan tempts me and you, he never shows me the consequence. If we would begin to say, Father, let me see the consequence. You see, if our sin, if they were immediate consequences, like in the, in the Bible when they lied and they died, let me tell you, that church did not lie anymore. When they were dragging people out of the book of Acts, lying, that went away. The problem is sometimes, and, and I'm grateful for grace, that we don't get, you know, the Lord will judge our sin. Like, you know, some sins, they're just, you know, the consequences are pretty immediate, and some seem to kind of linger on. But God is not mocked, says the Scripture. So, Lord, we're lured. We have to be careful. But, Lord, death, death always leads to separation from you. Help me to trust you, Christ Jesus. Lord, sin always looks better through the windshield than it does the rearview mirror. Because in the rearview mirror, I see what I had partaken in. I see where the hook got me. And it hooked me. And it destroyed me. I've never talked to anybody that has an addiction problem that said, I just started drinking a little bit socially. Then I started drinking a lot, and now I'm a full-blown alcoholic. It, it destroyed me. Hey, I just started gambling. I, I just started spending a little bit of money. Oh, my goodness, now I have a full-blown addiction. Just go through whatever sin. If, if we're not, you know, when, when I talk to people, well, you know, uh, you know, men over the years, oh, well, you know, I, I've, I've got this porn addiction now, and it destroys them. But Satan never showed them just when they just kind of looked at a pretty girl, and then they went from there. Just, just name a sin, church. This temptation thing is for real, and the Lord wants us to know in this most practical book that there's, there's a path to death. But if we get in sync with the Holy Spirit, oh, we've got an opportunity to overcome. We've got an opportunity to be victorious. And here it is, the third one. Refocus on the solution. Refocus on the solution. The, the solution is this. Here it is. God's truth. God's eternal word. This is the solution for mine and yours temptation problem god help me to know and read and study but lord help me to run to you help me to flee sin and run to you every time i flee sin and run to god i'm victorious every time i entertain it i'm in trouble and so are you the hook is hidden the response there makes us pay a price so god here move down down to uh, verse 17 look, look there quickly Whatever is good and perfect come down, comes down to us from God our Father. Caitlin, y'all come on that. 
Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who has created us, all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. Lord, you are 100% good. It is your nature to be good to your children. And you satisfy your children. And I'll close with this thought today. God is good. God is great. God is a giver. Let's say it together. God is good. God is great. God is a giver.